morning, I want to share with you a message about prayer. And you might be thinking, oh no, another message about prayer. Well, I hope this one's a little bit different. And the reason I want to share it with you is because I'm sure, as you know, you, um, this church here and all of Church Unlimited churches are very much built on prayer. It's an absolute foundation. And um, Pastor Tark is my dad, as most of you know, and he's a man of prayer. And ever since I can remember when I was little, you know, he's always put prayer first in his life. He gets up, he gets ready, has a shower, has breakfast, and then he goes and prays. And that's just always been what he's done. And, and if he can't pray, then he won't go out. You know, he, he's always put it first and he has made prayer an absolute priority and foundation in his own life. And because of that, it's, it's a foundation in the church. And every decision that he makes or that the church makes or, or um, different way we turn is, is based on prayer first and foremost. And actually, in our campus in West Auckland, we have night services and one of those services that we do is called an hour of power. And it's just over an hour where we all come together and we pray and we worship. And it's amazing that some of those hour of power services are actually our best night services. They're just um, full of God and people really come out to pray. And I think it's just so important. But don't you find that prayer is one of those things in life that sometimes you just feel a little bit too busy for? I know that as a mum, I've struggled with that. You know, I'm trying to get the kids out the door. I've got washing to get on. I've got toilets to clean and beds to make and things to do and a million things to get done. And then as soon as I get them done, the kids are back home and it's all on and there's fighting and there's chaos and there's food and there's mess and there's all this stuff. And you just tend to think, I'm just, I want to pray, but I'm just too busy to pray. Or you go to work and you've got reports to get out. You've got meetings to attend, you've got things to get done, and then you get home, there's a whole lot more work to do. And sometimes it can be really hard to carve out that time to pray. But how many of you know that in actual fact, in life, we are too busy not to pray? And if we can get this foundation right, the thing that I love about prayer is that no matter what life throws at us, no matter what we go through, if we know how to pray, then we know how to get through because we can find God in the midst of our situation. We can hold on to him and we can find that, that peace and that rest in him. So many people, I think, you know, they get to that crisis point in their lives and they think, I wish I knew how to pray. I wish I knew how to connect with God. But we want to be people that we know how to pray. We know how to connect with God. So when we get to that moment, we're ready and we're prepared. And, you know, when we can pray, if we can pray, we can move mountains. We can connect with the God of the universe. We can push through any kind of pain. We can um, break strongholds. And perhaps most importantly, I think, is that we know how to hold on to God. And in life, that is so important. So this morning, I want to share with you five prayers that we can easily remember and pray on a regular basis, maybe even daily if you want to. And I've, I've got, oh, just before I get into that, I better actually pray. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this awesome bunch of people, this family here. And I just pray that this morning you would come. We thank you for your presence in the worship. I pray that you would be with us, that you would speak to us, that whatever people need this morning, you would meet them where they're at. So we just invite you to continue with us and move in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a book that I have, and it's called The 21 Most Effective Prayers of the Bible by a guy called Dave Early, and it's a devotional book. It's really good. I've, I've really enjoyed it, and I've taken out of those 21 prayers five of my favorites that I'm going to share with you this morning. So it's a bit, of, um, a bit of a Bible study, I guess. There's lots of Bible in it, and you can follow along with me in your Bibles or on the screen. 
But the first prayer is found in Genesis 24, verse 12, and it's about Abraham. And Abraham's 140 years old, his wife Sarah is dead, and his son Isaac, he's 40, but he's still single, and so Abraham needs to find his son a wife. So he calls in his chief servant, Eliezer, um, and sets him with the task. It's a bit of an interesting situation. I guess if my kids got to 40 and they didn't have spouses, I'd probably start thinking about trying to find someone for them as well. But anyway, it's, it's not as simple as it would be today. So Eliezer, he has to travel 450 miles by camel to go to an area where Abraham's distant relatives were. And then he has to find a bride that's suitable for Isaac. She would have to be from among Abraham's distant relatives. And finally, he would have to convince her to return with him to marry a guy she's never seen and never met. So we pick up the story in Genesis 24 verse 12. It says, O Lord God of my master Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show your unfailing love to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing here beside the spring and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too, let her be the bride that you have selected for Isaac. And that's how I know that you, you have shown unfailing love to my master. So we see here that at the core of this prayer is these words, give me success today. And that's at the beginning of verse 12. It was a simple and a specific prayer, but very much needed for the job at hand. So let's continue. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was a daughter of Bethul, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered, Have a drink. And she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she'd given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the water trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. Before he'd even finished praying, God sent the right girl that met all the qualifications. And we read later on that she was indeed willing to leave her family and leave her place, her home, and go and marry Isaac. And it says in verse 26 of this chapter that when Isaac met her, he loved her. This is a great story because everyone was really successful. That prayer was incredibly effective. Isaac found a wonderful wife, and he, he loved her, so he was blessed. Rebecca was blessed because she gained a husband that not only loved her, but she moved from a pagan family to a God-fearing family. She actually became part of the lineage of the Messiah, so she gained. Eliezer, the servant, he became a man who worshipped God for himself. And Abraham fulfilled his duty to get a wife for his son. So it's pretty good results, isn't it? So that's the first prayer I want to say. Lord, give me success today. You know, God wants to give us all success in our daily lives. And it's a prayer that we can pray in the big things and in the little things. We can pray it as we go to work. We can pray it if we've got a big project ahead of us. I like to pray it when I go shopping because I always like good success and good bargains. And you know what? Usually if I pray, I get some good bargains. And, um, you know, we can pray it just for every aspect of our life. I remember one time um, I was wanting to put on a dinner for our ladies, for a ladies' event, but it was just like, oh, how am I going to do this? It's such a big job. I don't really know where to start. 
And so I remember praying, God, I, I need your help. I need you to give me some kind of way to help this be a success. I want to do it, but I don't know how to make it successful on my own. Anyway, the next day, um, one of the pastors on staff said to me, oh, there's a guy in our church that came to me and he would like to put on a three-course meal for the ladies and he was wondering if that's something that you're interested in. And I think my mouth probably dropped open because it was such a fast, direct answer to my prayer. And I said, yeah, that would interest me. And um, so anyway, I got chatting to him and he knew a chef and um, we put this dinner on and, you know, it was probably the best women's event we've ever run. It was so awesome and the ladies were really blessed and we got the men to serve the ladies. But um, it was really a result because I prayed, Lord, give me success. And he really did. So I want to encourage you, Pray that prayer that Eliezer prayed, because it's a good one. All right, the second prayer is a prayer that King Solomon prayed. Now, Solomon, as you know, is the son of King David, and he is about to take the throne. And it was pretty big um, shoes to fill, because David was an amazing king. And so he probably was feeling a wee bit inadequate, a wee bit scared. But God knows when we're facing giant challenges or when we have more than we can handle on our plate. So he knew that Solomon needed some help. And we read in 2 Chronicles 1, verse 7 to 10, about probably one of the most exciting offers ever made to man. It says in verse 7, That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Haven't we all dreamed of that prayer? <laughs> that would be awesome if God came down and asked us, Hey, what do you want me to give you? But Solomon had a great answer, didn't he? And, and you guys know what it is. He um, said, you know, that... He said, you've shown great kindness to my father and you've made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed for you've made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And so that is the prayer that we're looking at here. Lord, give me wisdom. And you've got to give it to Solomon. It was a great request of God. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for knowledge. He didn't ask for honor. He asked for wisdom. And we know that God said God did give him wisdom. And he said to him, hey, because you didn't ask for wealth, you didn't ask for long life, you didn't ask for honor, but you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all of those things. And he did. He gave Solomon much wealth, much wisdom, much honor. In fact, Solomon became the wisest and most wealthy king that ever lived. And people from all over the world came to hear his wisdom and see his riches. He wrote um, 3,000 Proverbs and over 1,000 songs. And we just need to read through the book of Proverbs to see some of that wisdom in Ecclesiastes. So that's the second prayer, give me wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I need wisdom in my life. I need wisdom every day. I need wisdom as a parent to figure out a way to get through to those kids sometimes and sort them out. I need wisdom to deal with different people that I come across at work and different situations. I need wisdom sometimes to explain the success of my shopping trips to my husband. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just in so many areas of my life, I need wisdom. And, you know, it's a prayer that God loves to answer because James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives to generous gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So when we pray, Lord, give me wisdom, we can be confident that it's a prayer that God wants us to pray. He loves to give us wisdom. He wants us to act and live out according to his wisdom. And you know, sometimes I've prayed this prayer when I've got particularly difficult situations, or I've got meetings that I just, I know I need some God thoughts. And um, 
I mean, I, I don't have great thoughts on my own, definitely not, but every now and then I do have these awesome thoughts that God just pops into my head that are right for the situation, and I know that you must have them too, but he can do that on a daily basis if we would remember to play, pray, Lord, give me wisdom. But wisdom and success are not enough on their own because Solomon did deviate off the path, even though he was the wisest man. He still got a bit tripped up with all those wives and concubines and, and other things. He, I think he managed to get back on the path towards the end. But more than just success and wisdom, we need God to go with us. And that's the third prayer in Exodus 33 verse 15. It's a prayer that Moses prayed. And one of the things I love about Moses is he's so... Um, just human, I guess. You know, he has plenty of weaknesses, and um, he, but God uses him anyway. You know, he struggled with feeling inadequate. He got angry. He didn't always make right decisions, but he did know God, and he learned to dwell in God's presence. So Moses has a truly difficult task of leading the Israelites out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. And everywhere he looked, there were people complaining or rebelling. God was going to wipe out the whole um, Hebrew people, in fact, but um, Moses intervened and he got God to relent, and um, God did relent, but Moses still had the job of leading these people into the promised land, and I'm sure he didn't know how he was going to do that. They were a difficult bunch, but he was a smart man, and he prayed. In Exodus 33, verse 9 to 14, we can read what he prayed. It says, And Moses went into the tent, and a pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whatever the pe whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as he speaks to a friend. You see, Moses was a man who'd learnt the trade of prayer. He learnt how to pray, and he knew that he could count on prayer to get him through. Carrying on, said, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you've found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And I love the New Living Translation of this verse. It says, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. Isn't that a great promise to claim? And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So Moses prays this prayer. He says, hey, God, let your presence go with me. But if your presence does not go with me, then I'm not going anywhere because without your presence, we are sunk. And I love that prayer. He knew that God's presence was the key to his survival and success. So he prays, God, go with us. And in verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And we know that from that moment on, God's presence marked Moses' life. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a person that God's presence marks my life. You know, there was a great sense of God's presence in this place this morning as we were worshiping. And um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to come into the house of God and to feel God's presence. But we want it not just on a Sunday in church. 
every day when we get up and we go out to work or whatever we're doing, we want God's presence to mark our lives because that is what sets us apart. You know, that's what people see and they think, what is it about that person? What is different? Why are they so calm? Why is there that something about them? God's presence is, is for us. And God wants to be with us wherever we go. He is with us wherever we go, but we can pray this prayer. God, this morning, go with me. God, as I get up, as I, as I parent my kids, go with me. As I go to work, go with me. Whatever you're doing, why don't you pray, God, would you go with me? You know, that's when God can do miracles. That's, can where, that's, that's where God can change lives, and that's where our own walk with God becomes so much more real as well. You might have heard of Charles Finney. He was a, a lawyer, and he had a dramatic conversion, and he went on to be a preacher in upstate New York. And, and they say that when he entered a town, the presence of God was so thick that people either repented or they died. It was that strong. And Finney and his associates spent hours fervently begging God for powerful manifestations of his presence, and they definitely got it, didn't they? It's an extreme example, but I believe that we can all be a people where God's presence marks our lives, and that's what we want to get into. So go with us, God's presence. That's the third prayer. All right, the fourth prayer is one that you're all going to love. I love this one, and it's found in 2 Chronicles 14, verse 1 to 15. It's a great story, and it's about King Asa. Asa became the king of Judah after his father died. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He removed the foreign altars and the high places. He led the people to seek the Lord and obey his commands. He built a great army. He strengthened and fortified the cities. And there was peace in the land for 10 years. But then um, all was going smoothly for Asa. But then in verse 9, we read that Sarah the Cushite marched out against them with a vast army and 300 chariots and came as far as Marisha. Asa went out to meet him, and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zeparathith near Marisha, or something like that. Um, Zerah had an army of 1,300,000 chariots. So Asa was outnumbered by over 400,000 troops, and he had no defense against all those chariots. So he was in serious trouble. So in verse 11, this is where Asa prays. He said, uh, it says, Then Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Help us is the fourth prayer. Help me. Help me, God. How many times have you prayed that prayer? I've prayed that prayer so many times. God is so good. Help us. You know, I think non-Christians pray that prayer. I think everyone prays that prayer because somehow it's a bit instinctive. When things are going wrong, when we're in trouble, we say, God, help us, even if we don't really believe in God. It's something within us, and that is what God wants us to pray when we are in trouble. All right, let's carry on. Let's see what God does. In verse 12, the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. They destroyed all the villages around Gerar, for the terror of the Lord had fallen upon them. And they went on and they collected all the stuff of all these villages. So they came back home, not only victorious, but wealthy as well. But you know, God loves us. God loves to help us in times of trouble. If you're a parent in this place, you'll know that when your kids are in trouble and they ask for your help, 
you love to help them. You know, it's our heart's desire to, to look after our kids and make sure that they're okay and help them through the difficult seasons in their lives and the challenges. If they fall over, we're going to run out there and we're going to pick them up. We're going to get them cleaned up. We're going to sort them out and send them back out to play. And God is the Father too. He's our Father and He loves to help us in our time of need. You know, I've had so many answers to this prayer, help me, help us. I remember um, when I left my iPad on top of the roof of my car for a couple of hours, and I prayed, God, please help me, let it still be there. And sure enough, I came back a couple of hours later, and it was still there, miraculously. (laughs) There's been times when I've lost money, and I've prayed, God, help me find that money, and I've found it. So many times I've prayed that prayer with kids and situations that could have turned into disasters, and I cried out to God, help me, and they're still both safe and alive and healthy and whole, which is a miracle if you're a parent and have kids. Um, You know, different times in my life that have been really tough seasons, I cry out to God and say, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. And God comes through. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And Psalm 121 verse 1 to 2 says, I lift up to my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. You know what I love about this prayer is sometimes in life, it's not enough just to have the ability to do something or the know-how. Maybe you've, you've even studied and, you, and you've, you've got the, the skills and the knowledge to do a job, but so often we actually need God's help as well. You know, we can't actually do life alone. We need him to help us in every aspect, in every area. And I love that we can call on the name of the Lord and he will help us. I love that I may not be a perfect parent and I may not know it all, but with God's help, I can raise those kids and I can um, shine Jesus to them. I can model Jesus to them and I know that he's gonna look after them. You know, different areas of your life, you can be confident to call out to God and know that he is there to help you. And it's a wonderful thing about being a child of God. All right, the final um, prayer that I want to share with you, and this is my favorite, is found in Isaiah 6 verse 8. It's about um, Isaiah. We're going to read it in a minute. You know, Isaiah, he was a restless young man in a seething nation. The good king had died, leaving the Israelites hanging in the balance between prosperity and destruction. As a righteous, sensitive young man, Isaiah felt his country's pain and ached to do something about it. And so the Lord gives him this vision. You will have heard it before. Let's read it. In verse 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty." Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. This passage always 
This gives me a sense of the awe of God and just a, a renewed sense that I want to serve him with everything that I have. The final prayer I want to share with you this morning is the prayer, send me. Lord, send me. God wants us to pray this prayer every day. Something that we've heard this year and it came out at conference as well is that God's spoken to us as a church that we're in a new era of evangelism. And I was thinking about what that means. And what I think it means for us is that, you know, in times past, we've had a big focus on um, street witnessing and evangelism. And there are evangelists that God has raised up. And, and some people very much have that calling on their lives. But we're coming into a season, we're in a season, I guess we always have been, but maybe it's just highlighted to us now, that every one of us is called to be an evangelist. It doesn't have to be um, how an evangelist looks in your head, but every one of us is called to share the gospel in our own way to those around us, to those in our world. And so God says in this prayer, that's what he wants us to say. He's looking for people that are going to say, God, here I am, send me, use me. One of Pastor Wayne's messages that he shared at conference was really simple. It was three things. He said, be kind, be willing, and be Jesus. And it was a powerful message. And basically what it came down to is that as we are kind and as we are willing to, you know, listen to the Holy Spirit and to see opportunities and take them, that's when we are Jesus to someone else. And he said, at least I think it was him, or maybe it was Pastor Bayless. I do get a bit confused sometimes with all the messages. But one of them said, you know, everybody is looking for Jesus. Everybody is looking for Jesus. I think so often we sort of, we, we feel like we're pushing it on to people. You know, we don't want to share our faith. We don't want to seem like one of those crazy Jesus freaks. But actually, there's a world out there and they are looking for Jesus. They may not know it, but in their hearts, they're looking for Jesus. And we have the opportunity to be Jesus to them. It doesn't have to be by witnessing um, and going through the book and giving them the four steps to the gospel. You know, use your gifts. Whatever you're good at, that's what God wants you to use. If you're, if you're really great at making friends, then go out and make friends and invite them to church. If you're good at baking, then find someone in need and, and bake for them, and, and, and eventually you might get to invite them to church too. If you're good at music, then use your talents and, and see if you can bless someone with music and then through that, let Jesus' presence come through. Whatever it is you're good at, let God use that. If you pray, God, send me, and you're willing and you're kind, you will be amazed at the opportunities you get. I think we think that they're rare. I don't think they're rare. And I'm on this journey. I am not a natural evangelist. I remember years ago at my first job, um, there was this guy, and, and I, I really wanted to share my faith with him. He was really not Christian, like completely not. And um, I was too scared. I think I, I talked about church, you know, in the general conversation. When I left that organization, I wrote him a letter, and I invited him to church, and I shared the gospel. This is how scared I was. And as I'm walking out from that job, never to return again, I give him the letter and then sort of run. He was like, what is this? And I said, oh, just read it later on. Yeah, I didn't want him to open it right then because I was really scared. Um, and look, I don't know what happened. That was the best I could do at that time. And you know what? If that's the best you can do at that time, that's okay. Because there was another great story at conference where um, about this, evangel uh, this guy who was obviously scared to evangelize. And he used to 
jump out from bushes and like chuck a track down in front of someone and then jump back in and run away. And it was amazing that one person, they were asking, how did you get saved? And he said, oh, it was really weird. You know, this guy jumped out of a bush and gave me this track and I, I read it and I got saved. And then there's another guy in the room that said, hey, same guy gave me a track and that's why I'm here. And then another person, and I don't know how many people, that guy got saved just by throwing a track in front of them and running away. So my point is... God can use us no matter if we're gifted for it or we're not. It doesn't matter. We're all called to be willing, to be available, to pray, send me, and see God use us. And I think it's exciting. I mean, that's the kind of Christian walk I want to live. I, I, there's, a, there's a girl that, um, one of my favorite shops is Jeans West, and so I'm sort of on first name basis with the girl there. And um, I've talked to her a little bit before, but I'm just waiting for another opportunity to invite her to church. I'm pretty sure she's got a, a daughter, so I'm gonna mention our kids program and, and see if she'll come. And it can be as simple as that. You know, all we need to do is pray, God, send me and then be willing, and God will do the rest. If I could just have the musos come, that'd be awesome. So these five prayers, give me success today, give me wisdom, go with us, help us, and send me. They're all amazing prayers that mighty men of God have prayed and with great results. And I just want to encourage you, why don't you just add that tool to your prayer life and pray these prayers. You might find your own. You could get that book and there's, there's 21 of them. But why don't you just see what God does? But I guess the one I'm most passionate about is send me. God, send me. So let's stand and, and let's sing what a beautiful name and just allow God to uh, just touch your heart afresh. Maybe he's going to put some someone in your head that he's going to send you to in the coming week. Whatever it is, why don't you just allow the presence of God to be with you and speak to you as we start to wrap things up.